as you see on the screen, there's the word hope. If you were to squeeze us down and if you got one drop of anything, I believe who we are would be hope. We bring hope everywhere we go. Everything we do, every word we say needs to be laced with hope because that's just who we are. Last two weeks, we've gone through the fact that we at this place are going to keep the main thing, the main thing, no matter what happens. And we're going to lead everyone to Jesus, no matter what we're doing, no matter where we are, no matter what we're saying, we're leading people to Jesus. All right. Last week, we talked about the fact that not only are we going to lead people to Jesus and we're not going to leave them there, but we as the church have a responsibility to disciple people. We need to take someone who has now had a life transformation and we need to teach them to live like Jesus. That it is possible in this day and age, 2015, when all things are falling apart, what it seems to be, we have the Holy Spirit's power that enables people like me and you to live like Jesus. So we come here today and we're going to tie a nice little bow on this, although the bow may be a little sweaty, right? We're going to tie a bow on it here this morning because we may lead this entire community to Jesus. We may teach them to live like Jesus. And if we do that, it will only last as long as our youngest participant. If we do not reproduce ourselves, does that make sense? So if somebody ever asks you, well, what's this Hope City movement about? What is this Hope City church that you attend? What's it about? Well, we do just three simple things, and we just try to win everybody to Jesus. We teach them how to live like Jesus, and then we simply just reproduce ourselves. Well, Scott, what does that mean? Well, here's what this means. Is every single one of you sitting in here, whether you've encountered Jesus or not yet, he is working on your story. He's working on your story. And so the simple fact is this. When we lead people to Jesus and we disciple them and we teach them to live like Jesus, then we just encourage them to tell other people their story. It's as simple as telling people what God is doing in your life. And I don't want to see a show of hands. But I would just challenge every one of you to ask yourself, when was the last conversation that I had that was focused around what God Almighty is doing in my life? When was the last time you told somebody your story? You see, telling your story is just, as, it's just the first step in, in reproducing ourselves. You see, this mission is not new. This is not some state-of-the-art Something that we went into a room and we locked ourselves in and we came back out with this new mission. This is nothing new, church. You see, this is what Jesus has been doing from the beginning. And some people would say, well, we're just radical enough. Some people would say, you're just obedient enough to do what Jesus has been doing for some time now. And so we're not special. We don't have it all together. We're just simply following Jesus' lead. And here at Hope City, I want you to know that if you ever lose yourself where you are or what you're called to do, I want you to flash back to these three weeks that, hey, I don't know really what I've been doing for the past couple of months, but I'm now gaining my traction and I'm getting my head back on straight. And you know what? I remember why I'm here. I'm here to lead everybody to Jesus and teach them to live like him. And then there's somebody God's putting in my path that needs to hear my story. Guys, it is that 
simple. We're going to be in John chapter 1 this morning. That's where we're going to go. And I don't want you guys to have to extend any more energy than possible. Because when you move, you create heat. And we don't need any more of that here. That's why everyone in hell sits very still, right? John chapter 1, and I'm going to just stay in John chapter 1 so you don't have to turn any pages this morning. And I'm just going to pick up right here. John chapter 1, verse 35. It's Jesus is choosing his disciples. It's draft day. And he goes into verse 35 and he says, The next day, John, being John the Baptist, John the Baptist was there with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God, and this is, I had an hour and a half with you guys this morning, I would talk to you about that very statement, because you got to understand something. John the Baptist was doing some amazing things. I will correlate that Hope City is doing a lot of amazing things. Like, I'm proud to be a part of this team, I really am. But John the Baptist is doing amazing things. And, and, and then Jesus comes along and immediately, not even questioning his motives, he points these two disciples to Jesus. He could have said, hey, well, there's that guy that everybody's talking about. But here, let's continue to do our thing because we have a good thing going. Hey, Hope City, if you're a part of this and like you call this home and you know that you're a part of this movement, don't you ever, and I'm going to get to this a little more in a second, don't you ever put Hope City above Jesus. You're always pointing people to Jesus. John the Baptist shows us this and he says, look, the Lamb of God, verse 37, when the two disciples heard him say this, look at this, they followed Jesus. They didn't follow John the Baptist. John the Baptist must have been such a humble servant that he's just pointing them to Jesus and immediately these people followed Jesus. And I guarantee you, John the Baptist didn't sit over on the corner mad at Jesus for taking his disciples. John the Baptist knew why he was there. Hope City... Maybe you're a Christ follower and you attend another church and you're just hanging out because you're on vacation or something. Listen, we've got to know that we know why we're here. We're not here to gain a lot of people so we can have our seats full. There's a thing that people keep asking Pastor Bradley, who's leading the charge with our building program. People keep saying this question. First question is, when is it going to be done? I'm so tired of hearing that. Drive by and you will see that there's only concrete in holes. Guess what? It'll be done when the building goes up. That's the first question. But the second question is what I wanted to focus on. They asked this question. How many seats are you putting in it? Not enough. That's the answer. We're not putting enough in there. But we're not there to gather a large multitude of people. Our seating capacity is way down the list, but number one on our list is ascending capacity. We want to send more of you and you away from here. We don't want to continue just to gather with you because we believe that you're leading people to Jesus and you're teaching them to live like him and you're telling people your story. And here's what I found out. When we're obedient in those realms, God takes us and uses us sometimes in places that we don't call home. And he sends us. And John the Baptist was not concerned with gathering a lot of disciples. He was concerned with being obedient, doing the main thing, and then sending people. So... I don't have an hour and a half with you this morning, so that's going to have to do it with that. Two disciples heard him say, this is Jesus. Verse 38, turning around, Jesus said to them, 
And he was they were following and he asked, look at Jesus' humanness. What do you want? He was following them. Jesus turns around and says, what do you want? And they just basically came up, probably the dumbest thing that I've ever heard anyone say. They said, rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? I don't care where Jesus lives, do you? But that's what they asked. So here's what I'm saying this morning. We're getting ready to come upon a phrase that many of us have overlooked. So many times that we've read this passage of scripture. How many of us, we start, we're going to read part of the New Testament. We start with John Most of us make it through the first chapter, and then Friday comes, and we don't read again ever. (laughs) Listen to this. We've read this before. Verse 40. Ready? Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two disciples who heard what John had said and who was followed Jesus, who, who had followed Jesus. Verse 41. The first... Thing, and I'm going to just stop there. The first thing that you and I have to be responsible for, the first thing that you and I are called to do, Christ followers, the first thing is that we are to be leading people, taking people, telling people about Jesus. You see, In verse 41 right here, it says, The first thing Andrew did. The first thing that Andrew did was he he was to find his brother, Simon, and he told him, We have found the Messiah. Verse 42, and it says, And he brought him to Jesus. So many times in our church culture, and I'm not saying this is a negative thing, but it's something that we're going to need to redirect. In our southern church culture, the first thing that we churchgoers want to do is get people to come to church with us, right? And can I just say in the most polite, nicest way that that cannot be your first response. Like, I don't want you to invite people to this church because I don't care where someone finds Jesus Christ. I don't care what church they go to. But our first response cannot be, let me tell you about Hope City. I had an encounter with a friend of mine who used to go to this high school. He was a year older than me. And for months, he has been on my heart. I have a friend of mine that's sitting home somewhere. I saw him earlier, but I now don't see him now. But I've been talking to my friend, and I said, this guy's been on my mind and my heart for some reason. I don't know why he's on my heart. And for months, he lives in this same little town of Wahlberg, and I've I never run into him. But the other night, I was leaving chopsticks, and I was having supper, and I was in the parking lot. And could you believe, would you believe, that this young man was in the parking lot going to eat? And I was such a jerk. There were some other people from another church in town that we were sort of talking to. And as soon as I saw my friend, I dropped them like a lead balloon. You know why? Because they are actually people who work in churches and they're Christians. But my friend over here isn't. And I did. I dropped them like a lead balloon later. I thought, man, how rude was that? But I don't care. But anyway, so I I came over and I said, hey, man, I got to tell you something. 
You've been on my mind for months. I know because I stalk you on Facebook, some of the struggles that you've been going through. And man, I just wanted to say, man, could I take you to lunch? And that's what I told him. And something how church got brought up and, and he said, well, he's been invited to church like 18 times by these other people. And I said, listen, man, I don't want you to come to church. I just want to take you to lunch. I just want to hear your story. And I just want you to know that, that I'm just a real person. And I want to be able to share with him, God's been laying him on my mind and I've been praying for him. So you guys can pray for my friend that I actually do have some kind of encounter with him. He said he would take me up on free lunch. And so that's always a good way to get people to hang out with you. If you're not cool like me, buy them lunch and they'll hang out with you. But you see, not only can we not have our first responses, I got to get you to church. No, the other time, other responses is you don't have to get them to a pastor. I want you to know that I am empowering you from this day forward to go and be a minister of the gospel. Now, I'm not going to actually like do some kind of ceremony and, and give you a Bible and, and all those kind of things, but I'm just going to tell you right now, I am commissioning you, every single one of you, to go be a minister of the gospel. And so your first response has to be that I'm going to take these people to Jesus And so you need to be preparing yourself. You need to be living in such a way. You need to be reading. You need to be studying. You need to be hanging out with other people, sharpening your skills. Because I want to tell you something. If you take this challenge and this commissioning serious, you've got about 40 minutes before you encounter someone who needs Jesus. You've got 40 minutes. And I'm going to take up 39 of those. You better get ready. Andrew said that the first thing that he did was go tell Simon Peter. He said, I found Jesus and I need you to come with me. I want you to meet him. That's got to be our mindset. That's how we reproduce ourselves. Well, Scott, I wish it was as easy as Andrew here. Andrew actually had the physical Christ He actually taught and said, Simon, let's go, man. I'm going to show you Jesus. And he took him to the actual Jesus. I wish it was that easy, Scott. I wish I had something that I could bring someone and they could see it and they could touch it and they could smell it and they could listen to Jesus. But we don't have the physical Jesus. We don't have God. We we don't even see the Holy Spirit. And so I'm not even going down the path of what faith is this morning. Hebrews 11.1 1 tells us that faith is the things that we're certain of, even though we can't see them. We can't see God. We can't see Jesus like Andrew. Andrew had it easy. I will agree with that. But we do have something. You have something. That you can show people. You have something that they can hear. You have something that they can touch. And it's you. You have something. John 1 continues. Verse 43, it says, The next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Verse 44, Philip like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethesda. Verse 45, Philip found Nathanael and told him, look at what he said. 
We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. I love verse 46. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. And get this. Look at what Philip said. He said, come and see. Just come and see for yourself. Just come and see. So you and I can't say come and see today because Jesus isn't here, like in the physical. We don't have the privilege of saying come and see. But here's what we have the privilege of saying today to everyone you're leading to Jesus is is come and listen. Just come and listen. Come and listen to my story. You see, that's something people can't take away from you. They can't take away your story. They can't deny your story. And so our response is just come and see. But Scott, my story's a little dirty. That's okay. I love dirty stories. Come and see. God uses dirty stories. Do you understand that? But Scott, mine brings up such pain. I love painful stories. God is writing your story and sometimes he just simply allows the pain to come into your life because it's now a part of your story. There's some darkness probably to your story. I know for many of us in here, there's a lot of joy in our story. Then go tell it. Tell your story. No matter what is going on in your life, tell your story to someone. God is placing all of these people in your life and many of us in this place, and and I hate that this is true, but many of us have never once said, just come and listen to my story. It's as simple. And I know that we have fear and I know that we're scared of what other people may think of us, but we've got to remember why we're telling the story. The story has a main character in it and the main character is not you. But the main character is the one who is there with you in the pain and in the darkness and in the hurt and even in the joy. The story that you tell isn't about you, but it's about Jesus. And when was the last time you said, just come and listen? And so we're going to lead everybody to Jesus and we're going to tell people that you can live like Jesus and we're going to reproduce a ton of Christians. We're going to reproduce a lot of wonderful Christ followers simply by telling our story. You have a story. You know that, right? Just think about it. Think about what God's done over the last couple of months. Every single one of you have a story. Got a little video here I want you just to watch and turn your attention to the screens. We, we've been in church ever since we've been together. Our middle daughter had stayed all night with one of the members of a Hope City and went to feed the streets. She came home and was telling me about it and sat in my office and bawled. And we're like, okay, we'll give, it, we'll give it a shot. When we visited Hope City, it was amazing. I'd never been so moved in my 40 years of church. Um, you know, been in church all my life, but I'd never been filled with the Holy Spirit the way I had been there. 
And we went the following Saturday to feed the streets. And from that moment on, it's been, all right, when's church? We were staying for both services. So it's just been, you can't help but be, when somewhere where the Spirit's on fire, you can't help but get lit a little bit. And Hope City just has lit this fire that I think has driven our whole family to a different place with God and with each other, each other and with trying to figure out what life really, really means yeah. for us. We'd always been going to church. We'd always been taking the kids to church. I mean, active going to church religiously, but we never walked away from church with more than what we walked in with. And for me, that was the big thing. I was walking away more full than I was when I went in. And that gave me the the inspiration and the fire and the passion to do more. I had never sold out to God. And to be a servant, to be a disciple, you have to sell out. You have to give Him what is His, and we are all His. Churches have voices, and all along people talk. They're preaching the Word. They can be a very godly church, a very spiritual church. And they're preaching the Word, but it's inside these four walls. So there's no movement. So a church without feet is stagnant. We've always, as our family, we've always talked about things that there's talkers and there's doers. And, you know, talking the talk doesn't really go anywhere. I mean, you can keep filling yourself, but until you start pouring yourself out, you're as full as you can get. And I think that we pour ourselves out regularly, so you're filled constantly. So it's a constant cycle. Um, And I think... You know, with our girls, just being excited about going and doing um, and being God's feet and and beyond just let me, you know, memorize this Bible verse or let me sit and listen to this sermon. It's all right. We take that sermon. And now how do we translate that into something that we're going to do? It's got to be an action. Part of the conversation I have with friends is, you know, I am part of a very dirty church. We go out, we get dirty, we shake hands, we hug on people who may not have showered in weeks. We don't care. And if you don't want to be part of that, that's all well and good. Worship God in your own way. For me and my family, that's what we're passionate about, is going out, spreading what we've learned. I mean, I've got three teenage daughters, and it's the first thing on their calendar with everything they do now. It's not, where am I going? It's, I have youth group, I have small group, I have church, I have feed the streets, I have, have Bibles. And then it's like whatever's left is how they fill it in. That never happened. Even when we were active in other churches and it's personal i mean i I wish i could put my finger on it because if i could put my finger on what hope city is we could reproduce it we could make that happen everywhere but um i mean it touches i know it touches me personally um to make me feel that whatever i've done is okay and that i'm i'm worthy enough to go and talk about jesus to other people that i don't have to have it all together before i can go do anything christ doesn't want us perfect he just wants us and if he doesn't want us perfect, then it's okay because now I can talk to other imperfect people like me. Yeah, amen. And every single one of you have something to say just like that. What I'd love for our prayer at this place to be is I would love for our prayer to be every morning when we wake Hey, God, who do you want me to encounter today? 
so I can tell my story and brag on you. Because every one of you have a story. And can I tell you that your story will live much longer than you. Your story will outlive you. May we live in such a way that Christ's story continues to live even though we don't. Monday morning, Pastor Brent and Pastor Bradley and Melinda and myself, we were meeting. And we were, Brent was telling us about downtown High Point and what we needed to know and just giving us the update. And he got to a point where he was talking. He said, we need a freezer. We need a freezer because we're getting all of these opportunities for food storage, but we don't have a freezer to store them in. This was about 11 o'clock on Monday morning. I said, well, Brent, why don't you just stop right now? And why don't we pray about this? And, and Brent led us in a prayer and we prayed and we said, God, we know that you're good and your nature is good and you love giving your children good gifts. So, hey, God, we need a freezer. And he said, amen, nothing special. We just asked. Five o'clock that afternoon, I was sitting with a friend of mine who had two freezers. <laughs> And he said, do you want them? I said, absolutely. Two freezers in six hours. Monday morning, I mean, Tuesday morning, Brent and I went to uh, Thomasville to pick these two freezers up. And we encountered a guy by the name of Toby. It was at Toby's house that he had these two freezers. And some of you would say, man, that is an act of God that you prayed at 11 o'clock and at 5 o'clock that afternoon, he gave you two freezers. You see, that's not the miracle in this story. The miracle in this story is that we encountered Toby, a man who lives by himself, who we had great conversation with. And after about four hours of loading these freezers into two trucks, Brent and I and Toby, we gathered with him in his carport. And we got to tell Toby that he is a part of a God story. I got to tell Toby that because of his generosity, he's going to be affecting hundreds of children and adults. I got to tell Toby a part of his own story that we prayed and God answered through you. And there in his carport, we just gathered and we prayed. And I encouraged Toby to tell everybody he encountered that God used him today. Not to give away two freezers, but he used Toby just to add to his story. You see, some of us sitting where those are just freezers and that's just a good old boy from Thomasville. You see, that's how simple God works. He's working. And all of these things that you are a part of and that you encounter are parts of your story. You just need to reproduce by telling people what God is doing in your life. We're getting ready to sing a song here as we wrap this up this morning. And I know probably maybe the first thing on many of your minds, I don't do well in front of talking, in front of people. I'm so nervous. 
And I just have this fear that overcomes me. We know that. And so right now, what I'd like for you to do is just stand to your feet. And we're going to pray. And in Jesus' name, we're going to bind all fear. Because your story is worth telling. There are people that you're going to encounter today that need to hear your story. And if we're overcome with fear, then we're going to miss opportunities to lead people to Jesus. And so what I want you to know, that when you walk out of this place, you walk out of this place with a courage maybe unlike you've ever had. And so Jesus, I just come to you right now in your powerful name and with your authority that your Holy Spirit is just falling on those people right now who are afraid to talk, who are afraid to tell their story, who are afraid that they may mess it up or they may be afraid that they may lead someone astray. God, will you let them know that you have given them their story to be shared, to be told. And God, today, I'm praying for someone who tells their story with more power and with more boldness. And God, that someone today will come to Jesus outside of this church building. God, I'm asking in your name these things because God, I trust you. I trust that you're going to lead your people. God, may we always remind ourselves that we're telling the story because you're the main person in it. And what you've done in our lives, you're wanting to do in so many more. So Jesus, I thank you. Every head bowed and every eye closed right here, right now. Some of you say, well, I don't have a story. I've never, I've never said yes to Jesus. I, I don't even have a story to tell because my story is mainly about me. But I want to start a story. I want to start knowing about Jesus. And I tell you, today it just starts by just surrendering your life, saying, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I need forgiveness for my sins. And I need a Savior. And I'm ready for my story to begin today. If that's you in this place, on your connection card somewhere, there's a little box that says, I accepted Jesus today. We're not here to parade you around and make a scene, but I just want you to know that today, if you're ready for your story to start with Jesus as your Savior, I'd like to know that somehow. There are going to be people at the door standing with buckets where you can drop your communication card in it. And I can tell you that today, if you've just said, Jesus, I need you as my Savior, He's your Savior. And your new life has begun. And your story has just started. And so, Jesus, I thank you for what you're doing in this place. Jesus, we love you. And we thank you. And it's in your name we pray.